You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I don't, I don't know how to start. The thing is that once we hit August 1st, guys should have been jettisoned from this team and they're not. And I'm very, well, are- very, very upset about it. I, it's an organizational failure. It is an insult to your fan base that Wellington Castillo is still on this team. It is an insult to your fan base that Yomer Sanchez is still on this team. It is almost insulting. It's borderline insulting to your fan base that Lewis Robert isn't on the team because if Rick Hahn's going to come out and say, we're going to go and do things this offseason, and the time is now, and I mean he's leaving expectations that 2020 is going to be a year of competition, then that guy should be getting at bats because he needs to be your opening day center fielder. And he's not going to be if you're going to sit around and play all these games and not bring him up. It's only a couple of days past the deadline. Now, it's a week. It's a a week. Okay, it's a week. It's a week of at-bats taken away from guys that could have been up here. You could still see Wellington DFA'd at any point throughout this time. And if it it happens, fine. Uh, I will be extremely disappointed if... You go through the whole se- you go through the whole re- rest of the season, and you're seeing Wellington Castillo up here getting at bats, not Zach Collins. About the Robert thing, I, I don't. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying I don't mind John Jay out there, at least for the rest of the year. Is he part of the future? No, but I, I don't mind him out there. I don't necessarily think they have a plan of bringing up. I don't think John Jay is taking away at bats from Lewis Robert. No, I, don't I don't think, think that's so. what's happening here. No. So I'm not upset about that. I am upset about the fact that Lewis Robert is still in Triple A with a 1200 OPS. Come on, what you know? So so the only and, and and in the meantime, you're up here trotting you know Adam Engel out in center field when it's. More than abundantly clear that Adam Engel can't play unless he is a pinch runner or defensive replacement. I don't understand the unwillingness to not bring Robert up right now. I don't get it. The only argument that you can make is service time. But even Frank Thomas said it on the postgame because even the pregame, even Chuck Garfine. He's even saying it. Why is Robert not up here? Frank Thomas, Bill Melton, they're all saying it. Why is Robert Bill not Melton up here? Bill Melton on this show Bill last Melton on week. on this show said it. He basically said, if you listen to what he's saying, he tries to, he, try, he prefaces his comments with, we all win together and we all lose together. Basically saying, I'm still a part of this team, but I don't agree with the front office right now. Yes. Bill Melton coming out on this podcast saying, I don't agree with the front office right now. I don't know why this guy isn't up. And, and, you know, even Frank, like Big Frank said it, like there was a conversation with Chuck Garfine on one of the pregame shows. I think it was either the Sunday or the Saturday one. I can't remember one, which one, though. But, you know, Garfine brought up the possible argument of service time. And even Frank, like it was a real, like Frank is real quick when he talks a lot of times on TV. But he said it. He's like, look, they're going to get a contract done with him before the service time thing happens anyway. I, as a White Sox fan. I don't even want to hear 
the phrase service time and any of our top prospects mentioned in the same breath. Lewis Robert and the words service time should not even be mentioned in the same freaking paragraph. Same thing with Madrigal. Same thing with anybody else that is currently down in the minors that's going to help this team. You are you have a payroll of $15 million next year, okay? And it's before arbitration. That's before arbitration, Stuff but like still, that. your your championship, your your last two World, Sinning, World Series winning teams are up in the 150s and 180s, respectively, all right? So stop telling me about service time. You have the money. Next Spend year, it. Next year, the White Sox on the books for them that they know they have to pay is $8.5 million to Kelvin Herrera, $4 million to Tim Anderson. What a bargain that is oh now. Oh, my God. And Aloy Jimenez is $2.3 million also, for next year. Also okay? a bargain. So that said, they're going to have to go to arbitration on some players. So let's just talk about what they have to do next year. They, they have so much flexibility, it seems silly to waste these next two months on some of these players. Ivan Nova making nine point one seven million dollars this year as a free agent next year. Are you bringing him back? Um, I no no. Okay, I do not. Okay, Alex Colome seven point three three million going into his last year of arbitration. They intend to keep him obviously because they did I not deal him. Do intend on bringing him okay, back? So yes. he's going to be a high number, but with the payroll you have, who cares? And don't worry, you can absor- absorb the cost because the next highest paid guy on your roster that is going to be going to arbitration is Yomer Sanchez. He currently makes $4.62 million at arbitration number is going to be no less than that. And most likely will get a little bit higher because you continue to insist to play him. And the arbitrator is going to sit there and say, well, you find some value in him. Ryan, so he's going to get a raise and it's going to be $6 million. Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to tender him? No, because no, you're not no, tendering because so Ryan, why are you playing on Ryan, Ryan Gones has proven that he can give you everything that Yolmer Sanchez and does. he's making less than a million. And he's making less than a million okay. until Madrigal gets here. Carlos Rodon, he's injured. He's a $4.2 million uh, player, and he goes into arbitration. You're going to end up offering him arbitration. Okay, so he's going to go up $4 million to John Jay this year. He becomes a free agent next year. You would hope that the team doesn't intend to bring back John Jay and that their intention is to go out and continue to build for bigger players with all the payroll flexibility that they have, correct? Correct? Yes, unless there's... See, I, man, I, John, the John Jay thing is interesting. You to hated me John Jay at the beginning of the year. I know, but because I, I mistakenly lumped John Jay into the ca- same category of Yonder Alonso, who's basically just a bum and who didn't want to play here, but he seems to be... John Jay seems to be all in to me. And either that or he's just trying to... Either he knows he's 34 years old, he's going to be 35 next year. He's 34 years old and he's going to be 35 next year. That I didn't realize. Trying to hold on, trying to hold on to his career so he has to play well. All right. Well, then, no, don't bring him back then. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) But, you know, okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about the outfield later, but I mean, all right, continue. James McCann. Yes. $2.5 million this year goes into arbitration next year. It's going to be a big number because he was an all-star and he performed well, but it's still a very affordable number, I'm sure. You're going to have to look at his total, the total year total, because he he has fallen off a Leary lot. Leary Garcia making $1.55 million. I mean, think about this. You're, you're paying Yomer $4.62. You're paying Leary $1.55. Both are going into arbitration. You're going to tender Leary. 
because he can play. He can play anywhere. And he's better. Yeah. Why would you waste your money on a guy like Yomer? Leary should always be in front of Yomer on your on your depth chart. Any way you look at it, at any position. Because okay? he can play the outfield and the infield. And you're, you're intending to bring up Lewis Robert, right? Yeah. He's not playing in AAA forever. No, well, so, I right don't there, know. You're going to end up tendering him. After that, we got everybody else is gone or they're pre-arbitration. That, that's it. So you, these, these are the only guys you have to worry about. You're going to have to decide, are you going to tender Leary Garcia? Yes. Are you going to tender James McCann? Yes. Are you going to tender Carlos Rodon? Of course they are. I, I know that it, it's been a frustrating career, but they're, they're not going to non-tender him at this point. Alex Colome, they, they're going to tender him. Yomer's the guy you non-tender. Jay and Nova, free agents and gone. You got to make a decision on Jose Abreu, who I think they're going to undercut payroll-wise. And they should undercut him payroll-wise because compared to other first basemen that are out there, he's no longer a superstar. Him, No, he's solid. I was surprised he solid, made the all-star team solid, myself. Moncada should have been there over him. Solid, but no, but not a star. But uh, we've already talked about how Jose is an absolute anchor in this, That's in fine. this clubhouse. But, so, not, but his $16 million number, I don't see it getting bigger than that. Do you? No. Okay. No, no, no. So he's overall, not he's not twenty he's not twenty million. So what do we say? We said worth. they were about they said we said they were about sixty five million dollars right now, sixty four million dollars right now with the team that they have. Right. Okay. You're gonna drop a couple of guys, you're gonna open up some money with free agency, you're gonna see some slight increases because of arbitration. You might see some but you're gonna you're gonna drop a little of weight off of that. Realistically, this team still sits at around that number. Going into 2020, after you've done all the arbitration, I had him at 75, but okay, it could be you're probably it right. It could be closer to 65. Yeah, depending on what you know, you're not going to tender Yomer. You don't know what the arbitration numbers are going to be. There's still room, and there should still be room to go out and make big moves in the in the off season. So, I as a general manager would sit there and say to myself, "Okay, what do I need to fill? I need to fill right field, right? Yes, you do. I need to fill right field. Yes, you do. And and I, I don't really have a second baseman yet. I don't really have a center fielder yet. Unless Ryan Go, unless Ryan Gones makes the but team. But I, but I've got I've got two really good prospects that I'm excited about that are going to come up and play in those positions, right? Well, you've got if you include, so yeah, Robert in center field. If you're going to throw, I mean, obviously Madrigal, you're really excited about. If you're going to throw Ryan Gones into this situation, then you say three. Okay, and then you're going to need, and then you got to figure out what your DH situation is overall. Unless your intention is is to. To, to basically say, Zach Collins, we need to have him hit all the time. We're going to have him catch every once in a while and sometimes move him to DH and we're going to play a game where we're still developing something in that role. But eventually, Aloy is going to move into a DH or first base role for your team because of his defense, I would think. Right. Down the line. Okay, so all these things said, you also have to turn around and like Bill Melton said last week on the show, go out and get yourself a big-time pitcher. The White Sox need to go out and make two big signings. And then still have to fill one or two spots in and still have to have Lewis Robert and Nick Madrigal up here sooner rather than later to compete in 2020. Do you believe they're going to do that? I do not believe they are going to put any money in free agency that is worthwhile. No, I don't think they're going to do. I do not think. Okay, here's they're definitely, definitely not going to go out and get a top of the rotation pitcher. That ain't happening. Reinsdorf has been adamant about the amount of money and years that he offers starting pitching. Thank you, Jamie Navarro. So that's never going to happen. You can forget that. What you're going to get this year 
is what you get every year in free agency for the White Sox. It's bargain shopping. So is this so then they're going to get guys off scrap heaps. Is the way they're that Roberts get, is Robert being you is Robert being kept down then because Rick Hahn understands that he can't do what he needs to do in the offseason. After going through last offseason, is it possible? And I don't want to give Han credit like he's the only smart guy in the room. He might be part of the problem as well. But because we don't know yet. Is it possible that after his team would not come up with the money that they 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 is it possible that they told him we're with you, Rick, and he felt like he would get he'd be able to outbid. And then at the end, it got cheap. Yeah. And he looked stupid. And now he realizes, and that's why he goes out and he signs Aloy to the long-term thing, and he starts this new process of trying to get the talent signed younger. And now he's looking at, I need to make a window somewhere where I'm going to have my young talent ready, and I have to find a way to create a team without being able to go and get this big market guy. See what I'm saying? Or he's afraid he'll get he'll get cheaped out again. Because it's the one thing they've never come through on is the he keeps saying he's like people don't think the White Sox will do this and then they go and do it. People don't think the White Sox will do this, but the one thing that people don't believe is what you just said that the White Sox will go out and get themselves a big top end rotation guy and spend that big monster money. So is it possible that the reason that he's not attacking twenty twenty like we think he should is because he doesn't believe that he can complete the other half of that formula? Sure, he could have Robert ready. Sure, he could have Madrigal ready. Sure, he could fill in with the things that he needs to fill in on. But he doesn't believe that he can go out and get the big guys that would make it worth not holding on to those guys for that extra year of service time. Absolutely. Because he doesn't think he can win in 2020 because he doesn't have the confidence in the guy that holds the, 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 the checkbook. checkbook. Yeah, no, you're right. Is that possible? I'm not saying that it's what hap- is happening but is that possible? Given what we've given what we've seen from the team, and given what we have seen from Rick Hahn when the offseason went the way that it did, and given how that we've seen him approach how we've seen him approach the team uh, since then, I think that's entirely possible. Now, here here's the thing: you want the good news, Chris? You can still put together a winning team like that. Okay, you don't always have to go out and land the big fish. Look at what the look at what the Royals did. Look at what the Rays have been able to do. Look at what the Twins have been able to do for years and years and years and years and years against us. You know, you can build a winning team without having to 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 go and do that. But then when you look at like, you know, the Astros giving Verlander the big money, when you look at how the Red Sox and Yankees spend their money, it, it, it is disheartening because at some point there's proof you still have to go and do that. The White Sox are going to have to go out and spend at least 10 to $12 million on an outfielder next year if they really want to be serious. On a right okay? fielder. Uh, on a right fielder. I mean, because I'm looking at just like just the outfield salaries from 2019 and guys are going to be free agents next year and their salaries currently. A guy like Marcelo Zuna, who's a left fielder, He's uh, got a $12 million salary right now. Uh, Nick Castellanos, who's a right fielder, has a has a just under $10 million. Yasiel Puig is just under $10 million. Uh, Corey Dickerson is just under $9 million. And I, I'm just looking at guys that, I mean, like Starlin Marte, he's 31 years old, and he plays for the Pirates, and he's a center fielder. He's $11.5 million. This seems to be like what the, what these guys are making currently 
On, on the other hand, they're all going to get bumps because they're free agents. So there's going to be competition. So I'm figuring, tw- let's say 12 to 15 million you're going to have to pay. 15 is a bit high. Okay, I would, so say, let's t- say, I would say 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Okay, my original number. So 10 to 12, you're going to have to pay on that. Because you don't necessarily we need a, a, a absolute stud out there. You need somebody who is serviceable. Okay. But then when you decide you want to go out and get yourself a starting pitcher, the guys who are free agents and starting pitchers right now that are going to be free agents next year, the, it, it starts at around $20 million. Hmm. The guys, for the guys you'd want. For, I mean, like, it, it, that's, where, that's the start, that's a jump-off point for what these guys are making right now. 20 to $25 million. The, the, of the guys that are possible of becoming starting uh, free agents next year, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, give me six, some names and numbers. Chris. Six guys make over $20 million currently. And, and that doesn't even include guys like Garrett Cole that are going to come out there and be the big target. I don't know. I mean, again. So I've, is Rick Hahn really just sitting around waiting for Dane Dunning? Is he waiting for more of his starting pitching to develop? He might be. He might be. Well, then 2020 is year four of the rebuild. Yeah, because we've talked about this. what you're going to need if you're going to win. Now, I just got had, an ulcer saying that. We've, <laughs> I'm going to double over in pain. We've had, that's all right. I got you, dude. We've talked about how we've been very fortunate about how the Sox have hit on a lot of their prospects as opposed to missing, which is good. But you're still asking for if you're going to win in 2020 and you're not going to spend the big money. You're expecting a lot, a lot has to go right with your starting rotation. You're going to need a healthy Carlos Rodon to be, at least for the back half of the year, what you expect him to be. And remember, he's not coming back till August, boys and girls. You're going to need both Lopez and Giolito to be figuring it out at the same time. Because if you look at what's happened this year, Giolito had a great first half of the year. Lopez was a disaster. Now, Lopez is starting to figure it out a little bit, but Giolito is starting to come down back to earth, all right? You need both of those guys to be horses at the same time. You're also expecting Michael Kopech to come back fresh off Tommy John's with, you know, all of 26 innings pitched in the major leagues starting next year in 2020 being a stud. And that doesn't even talk about who you're going to get to pitch. You know, considering that Rodon is not coming in until August, Who's going to be in your four and, th- and five spot? Okay, so here's the other know. thing. That what you just said, again, contributes to the idea that it's possible that your general manager is looking at 2020 saying, I'm supposed to tell these people we're going to compete. But, but we're not we, going to compete. But we can't. Yeah. No, you perfect, can't. Perfect example is the Giolito. I just read an article following his latest start where he said that his body is dealing with a lot of pain and a little wear and tear because he's pitched so much more this year to this point. And he pointed out that I was so bad the year before that I was out of a lot of games in the second inning. Now I'm doing well, so I pitch deep in the games. So I'm pitching longer in games than I'm used to, and I'm pitching more. So I mean, that makes so, sense. So, okay, so now that does that make sense? So you see him, you, you see a reason why he might be falling off. I buy right? that, Okay, yes. now imagine Michael Kopech coming off a of Tommy John surgery. He's going to break down at some point. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm uh, saying. Right. Uh, this, this is the problem. The problem is, is that you don't have enough horses for next year. You don't have it next year. You don't have the pitching. So you have a general manager 
who's saying, I would like it to be exciting in 2020, but I realistically don't see us competing until 2021, but I can't say that to my fan base. No, you can't. But he's indicating it to you by keeping guys like Wellington Castillo on the team because it doesn't really bother him that Zach Collins isn't up yet. He's doing it. He, he, I feel like the indication could be that Lewis Robert isn't on the team and we're going to mess around with service time and stuff like that because 2020 doesn't matter. Because if 2020 mattered, he'd be here. Yes. If 2020 mattered, Zach Collins would be getting those at-bats. If 2020 mattered, you would see those things happen. 2020 does not matter to the general manager as much as you think it should. For the reasons that I just pointed out that you are know, possible that he's looking at, because he doesn't feel like he's got the support to go out and spend the money he would need to spend well, to fill the holes that he needs to fill because of all these different things that have there's, happened. There's two, there's two things to that. Yes, you're right. He doesn't have the money that he he really needs to spend in order to go out and win in 2020. Here's the thing. Let's just, I just want to make sure that people get what I'm saying here. Based upon the moves they're making right now or the lack of moves that they're making right now, they're indicating to me that they don't believe in 2020 as much as you and I believe they could compete in 2020 because, and the only reason they wouldn't believe is if they don't think they could compete in free agency. So let me let me back this. So somebody so who's me, making the decisions doesn't think he can compete in free agency and that's why he's not making these moves. So let me back this up just to kind of put the, just to kind of put this in perspective. From the day Chris Sale was traded, all right, which is when we mark as the start of the rebuild, the goal the ear, the, the 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 team was always earmarked for 2020. That was the number. That was the number that we the fan base was given. Now Couple of things have happened in this time in this time span that I don't necessarily put on Rick Hahn that have pushed, I believe now, because what we're saying is this this 2020 number has gotten pushed back, but you can't say that because you've been telling the fan base. Right, 2020 he doesn't want to say it, but his moves are but, indicating but, to me that so, that's so, what he believes. But these things are not necessarily the fault of him. Number one, okay, the fact that his upper management completely pulled a carpet out from under him in free agency this year, and he now realizes that they are they are cheap and they are inept, and they're not going to spend the type of money that they need. So he's going to have to do this a different way. And they, and they the did it. They the, did it in such a way that that one idiot goes running out in the in the golf cart right away to meet the press before Han can even talk to him because he's got to get the company line out immediately. Right now, the other other things that have happened. Shell shocked. The Kopech the Kopech injury. Let's be real. Set you back a year. The Rodon injury set you back a year. You were supposed to have Kopech, Rodon, Giolito, Lopez, Cease as your as your starting five from the word get in 2020 with experience up here already in the major leagues in the case of Kopech and Cease, and that's not going to happen now. So I don't put that on Han. That, that also is a thing that has set this back. I don't think people, anybody was expecting the Twins to be as good as they were. And the Twins are not, this is not just a flash in the pan for them. I mean, they're going to be good in 2020. And if the Indians are still hanging on, you could compete in the division, compete in quotation marks, if you had the Twins just kind of, you know, middling around doing what they do and the Indians on the downturn. Well, neither of those things have happened this year because the Indians have figured out and the Twins are still, the Twins are still doing what they're doing from the beginning of the year. So, those are things that I believe, in Rick Hahn's mind, has set this rebuild back. 
At least that's what I want to believe. I want to believe that he really knows what he's doing, but he knows he's completely handcuffed by, you know, upper management and injuries and such. So if we had to conclude something from the lack of movement on Castillo being jettisoned from the team and Yomer still out there all the time, the overarching thing would be that if it's either A, all the things we said about the possibility that that you have a general manager who realizes that it's really 2021, doesn't believe that his owner is going to come up with the money that he thinks he's going to need, isn't sure how a free agency is going to shake out, thinks that things have been delayed with certain people, might have pitchers that are not going to be able to make it through the entire year because of the, because of their innings experience coming off of coming off of injury, yada, yada, yada. Right. Has all these different factors, and because of that is decided, there's no reason to bring up Lewis Robert and everything, and why piss off an owner that gets angry about paying guys that aren't playing when it doesn't matter? So why cause that kind of trouble when you're already having problems trying to get him to open up his purse strings? Yeah. So that could be the whole reason. Which makes sense. And it would make sense. Or B. Okay. We are run by morons who don't know what they're doing. Um, It's organizational malfeasance and insulting your fans. Malfeasance? I love it. Vocabulary. It's it's A or B. See, that's the thing. It's either A, and and, and what sucks is that you want to believe it's A at this point, as much as A sucks, because there's a lot of bad in A. A means that everything you say about Ryan Storff being cheap is true. A means that everything you say about the fact that like the guy who's a general manager still gets the rug pulled out from underneath him every once in a while. A means that there isn't any hope for 2020 in compared to what you want it to be. They might be fun. They might be competitive, but they're going to be a 500 team. And that's it. That's what A means. But you'd well, still was, want it to be A. I was going to say organizational malfeasance. I was going to say, you know, my option was option C. All of these things that you said in A plus, you know, we're run by, you know, morons and idiots. <laughs> the moron is the Joining us on the phone line right now, his name is KP Wee. He combined with John Cangelosi, a guy that I ran into when I was a little kid in a bank parking lot at 87th and Kedzie, eh, probably more like 85th. He was struggling with his ATM machine, and my father's standing there next to me, and I'm just a little kid, and John's playing for the White Sox, and my dad just recognizes him. They both are trying to figure out ATMs for like the first time, but the greatest thing KP was... He brings me out to the parking lot and he gave me everything. He opened up the back of his car in his trunk. He had so much memorabilia he was driving around with just in case some kid recognized John Cangelosi. Uh, What was it like to write this book with him? Well, that's a fantastic uh, story, Chris. And thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, It's it's always a good um, feeling to be able to collaborate with, um, you know, an athlete or former athlete uh, in getting their story out there. Uh, as a way to motivate and inspire uh, young kids and others who, um, you know, have um, had to deal with people telling them, no, you can't do this and you'll never be able to make it. And that's kind of, in a nutshell, what John's career was like, you know, making it to the White Sox uh, that rookie year in 86. Um, you know, he had uh, people telling him, oh, he's too short to play, you know, in the big leagues. And, you know, being able to sit down with John and kind of, you know, be able to tell his story 
uh, so that, um, you know, again, young kids or others who need a little inspiration, um, per, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that through uh, John's amazing story. And uh, just, you know, it's a fantastic uh, project that uh, I was able to work on with him. Well, I'll be honest with you. And, and, you know, I was just a kid when he was playing and I was probably 10 years old when that incident happened or when that, that experience happened. To me, I always had a soft spot for John Cangelosi. I've met him a few times. Last time I saw him was at the most recent White Sox Fest. And uh, uh, he's a nice guy, but I never thought of him as the kind of guy that would get his own book written about him. What, what is the interesting thing that drew you to writing about John? Well, uh, first off, um, you know, making it to the big leagues is uh, kind of a very difficult thing in itself. And to be able to play 10 seasons in the majors, uh, which is what John was able to accomplish, that is huge. And on top of that, winning a World Series championship um, in his, basically his hometown, in, uh, in Miami, you know, in 97, um, you know, the guy was a winner. The guy worked hard. Uh, he hustled every night that he was uh, in the game. Um, you know, what's amazing is that we have uh, a guy here who was, you know, 5'8", or listed as 5'8". He might have been an inch or two shorter in reality. But, uh, you know, again, having, you know, the experience um, of going through you know, um, getting to the big league, staying there in an era where, you know, basically it was like uh, fans were kind of more interested in home runs than power hitting. So it's fascinating to have a story about a guy like John who made it, who stayed there, in spite of the fact that he was only 5'8". The name of the book is John Cangelosi, The Improbable Baseball Journey of the Undersized Kid, from nowhere to World Series champion. And John is listed along with you as co-author of the book. What I find interesting is you mentioned he wins a World Series with the Marlins. He plays for several teams in Major League Baseball. But the cover is him in his, in his what we would call a retro White Sox jersey. He's clearly swinging that bat at Comiskey Park, at Old Comiskey Park. Did he pick that picture? Is there Was there a reason he wanted to be, even though he wins the series with the Marlins, he wanted to be associated with the White Sox, where the front picture is uh, him in a White Sox uniform? Uh, that's, that's a great question. And uh, I actually was the one who picked, that up, picked out uh, that picture. I, I thought it was a great photo of him in his rookie year, where uh, let's say that he had his biggest um, individual success in 86 with the Chicago White Sox. And, uh, you know, that year he broke the American League um, rookie stolen base record uh, with 50 bags. And just, you know, um, batting average-wise wasn't a good year, but in terms of uh, getting on base, stealing bases, he was kind of a spark plug that the the White Sox team that year um, had or needed. Um, I just thought that uh, that was, uh, you know, a a fitting tribute because uh, that was, uh, again, his best season. You know, I got a I got a nine foot homemade oak bar that I use as the studio down here where we do socks in the basement. We just sit down here, we talk White Sox baseball, and I have a bar rail that's filled with old White Sox players. And when I built the rail, I couldn't find uh, a John Cangelosi White Sox card. So I have him in like I think it's a Pirates jersey. It's the only thing that doesn't have a White Sox jersey in the entire rail. But I had to include John because. 
of that moment when I ran into him as a kid and what a nice guy he was and 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 what a fun thing that I always remember with my dad bumping into John Cangelosi. I think it's really cool that you wrote this book. Once again, it's called John Cangelosi, The Improbable Baseball Journey of the Undersized Kid from Nowhere to World Series Champion. You can get it on uh, Amazon right now. I know you can get it for your Kindle. You can order a paper book. Go ahead and look it up. Any other thing? Is there like a website, anything else anybody can go to so that they can get more on the book? Um, yeah, uh, Amazon would be uh, a great place to, to check that out. And uh, it's uh, available on Barnes & Noble. Uh, so any online um, bookstores, uh, you'll be able to find that. KP, we I appreciate you coming on the show. Say hi to John for us. Will do. Thank you, Chris. And I uh, look forward to um, you know, chatting in, in the future. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.